got a fat stack of comics. Oh. And That's it's like true, I guess. The the combination of the Marvel Universe seeping into my X-Books, or my X-Books seeping into the Marvel Universe. It's a little bit of both, I think. It's a little bit of both. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm a fat stack of comics. Also known as Justin. <laughs> Ridiculous. Sometimes I, I just can't be Justin, you know? Sometimes You're I gotta... never Justin. I don't think in the last year you've ever said I'm Justin. That's a lie. You have limited short-term memory. I can pull up five examples. I'll wait. I'll pull them up after we record. Please edit them into the episode. Sure. And I'm Justin. And I'm Justin. Excited for Spider-Man. And I'm Justin. And I'm Justin. And I'm Justin. You said that with such like, I'll kill you eyes. Because I'm certain. Okay. (laughs) I'm not going to kill you. Okay, good. I like that. We got comics to talk about today, though. What kind of comics? Oh, a lot. Oh, you know, just one digi and five tangies? Five tangies. Wow. Wow. Let me tell you what they are. We got X-Men Unlimited, number 86. The Invincible Iron Man, number six. Flashback. Rogan Gambit, number three. Captain Marvel, number 49. Wolverine versus Weapons of X, number 33. X-Men Red, number 11. Wow, that's Whoa. so many things. So many. So great. But first... The news. It's news, it's news, it's news, it's news. Look at the news. Yeah. Learn. No, let me say the last thing. No. <laughs> news. Hey, so we got some news. <laughs> we got some news. We got some some Jean Grey news. Jean Grey, Jean Grey, Jean Grey. We talked about it on our Patreon episode because that's when it came out. A final transmission for the fall of X. Yeah, and I had feelings about it. She's got feelings. I've got feelings. They are less salty. I just don't want Jean Grey to be the answer to everything. But She's not. She's the answer to this thing. But also, understand that the Phoenix has been heavily seeded into being the, the one that can fight the Dominion. From what? Data pages. Inferno. And Inferno. The OG? No. The the new one. The new one. You know things. I trust you. I know. You read those data pages like they mean something. They do. Especially when they're from Hickman or Al. Alistair. Oh, Al Ewing. But yeah, so it's a four-issue miniseries. It's coming. It's the fall of X. It ties the past to the present in Jean Grey's life as she explores where things went wrong. What Where happened things, with what, that phoenix? What happened? Because, I mean, the, the cover is very phoenix. It's very phoenix. And, right, Jamaica, Jamaica Bay. Jamaica Bay, we yeah. Had a, we had a little hiccup talking about this on Patreon. There's also water. There's water and on the that's cover. that's the water that the phoenix was involved with <laughs> called Jamaica Bay. She was so happy. She was like, look at the hair. It's definitely the phoenix. You can't tell me that it's not the phoenix. And I was like, yeah, because it's also coming from Jamaica Bay, like the first appearance of the phoenix. You didn't say it like that, though. You just said it's also Jamaica Bay, period. Sure. Great. Exclamation point. More like it. <laughs> it's interesting because, I mean, we're talking about it now. I was going to save it when we talk about the cover. But... Look at Captain Marvel 49, that cover, in comparison to Uncanny X-Men number 101, it's kind of like a mirror of the two. Oh, it's, it's very Phoenixy. Show me. 
Oh, yeah. Right? Carol's arms are down. The Phoenix's arms are up. You can even see some kind of mirror with the three characters that are there. Gambit's looking like Cyclops. Yeah. Wolverine is looking like Storm. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. I just thought that was really interesting and wanted to call it out. Good one. We're talking about Phoenix. We're talking about Captain Marvel. We're talking about... The news. Yeah. We already said that. That's already been established. Articles on Marvel. <laughs> oh my God. Articles on Someone's Marvel.com. salty tonight. What are you talking about? It's all free, baby. All right. Marvel.com. Articles on Marvel.com. There's an article about Captain Marvel and Rogue's history. Mm. Where the little spat came from. I think that's a very you know timely. important article to tie into this issue especially for these two issues as it comes up a couple different ways yeah also an article about the uncanny avengers topical you want to talk about things that happened last week at free comic book day as the uncanny avengers are coming back under mr duggan's pen can't wait the second time he will be writing a title called uncanny avengers oh interesting orcus those jerks. There's a whole thing talking about, hey, hey, who are these guys? What's Orcus? Meet Orcus. No, don't meet them. Go the, away. The X-Men's greatest threat yet, which I think, like, I mean. That's a bold. That's a bold statement, but also probably true. Probably. Probably true. I can be honest. There was not much news this week, so I'm, I'm, I'm reaching. I'm reaching. Oh, well, what's your personal news? Well, we're not there yet. Oh, there's one more thing. Guardians of the Galaxy 3 came out. It did, and we saw it. We saw it. ton of fun. Some interesting theories that I dove into and, and looked up that I don't want to talk about right now because it's spoilers. <laughs> so, <laughs> so good to know Justin looked up some theories, but there go, go watch the movie for yourself. Yeah, go watch the movie for yourself and wonder, hey, Star-Lord, you used to have a helmet, right? Question mark? Interesting. Interesting. Huh. Anyway, what's your personal news this week? You I got personal <laughs> I didn't come prepared. You didn't come prepared? Give me a second. I got two things. Oh, okay. Well, what are well they? one is really just, one, I, I found $40 oh, yeah, that at the park cool. near our house. And it was just, it was kind of instant great afternoon. Yeah. I was walking around the park. I saw this box of cigarettes on the ground. I kicked it kind of out of just anger or, you know, like, how dare you litter? And then it flipped over. There was two 20s stuffed in the back sleeve. Nice. I took them and I threw out the cigarettes. And then you had a party. And I, I had a low-key party. I got a haircut. Ooh. My first professional haircut since yeah, before since COVID. Yeah, before COVID. Because ever since I found out, hey, Alicia can buzz my head for free, I swore I would never pay for a haircut again. And I still haven't. I hold myself to that. Okay, but you the could universe. just keep getting a haircut because it looks really nice so much better than when I do it. No, it looks exactly the same. No, it doesn't. It looks very much the same. That is a bold-faced lie. That is, that is a gradient of levels. When I do it, it is one buzz. And that's fine. It's very... No, it's not. Two people at work were like, I feel like I should salute you or are you ready for basic training? And that's not... I don't know if that's meant to be a compliment, but it doesn't feel good. <laughs> it's like, oh, cool. Great. Anyway, I went to Wendy's. Yep. I bought a box of cookies for improv practice and two lottery tickets. And two lottery tickets. $40. Well spent. Nice. The other thing was just I, I took a giant hammer and destroyed a metal shed oh, yeah. over the weekend. And it was a ton of fun, but also really tiring and exhausting. The, the hammer is about half the size of me. I'm a big dude. I'm over six feet. Yeah. So my news, I got it. I came up with it. Great. Fantastic. 
So on Star Wars Day, last week, I purchased a shirt, a Rebel Alliance shirt, and I was really excited about it. And then I wore it to work where I work with a bunch of nerdy people, and I waited all day for someone to be like, yo, look at that shirt. And I had to say to multiple people, yo, look at my shirt. Isn't it so cool? And then they were like, oh, yeah, it's cool. And I was so upset. And then... The kids came in for dance class and they did their dance class and this one kid, Ruben, who doesn't really talk to anyone, he's really shy, he's really reserved, at the end of the class, I was like off to the side, I don't teach the class, and he was like, hey, I really like your shirt, it's super cool, and I was like, yes, thank you, Ruben, (laughs) that made my whole day. And then after I said, I've been waiting all day for someone to tell me that my shirt was cool. Then this other girl, Callie, goes, hey, I like your th- your thing is cool. And I was like, my shirt? And she was like, yeah, your thing. Yeah, it's sure, cool. Yeah. And I was like, thanks, Callie. <laughs> I appreciate you making me feel good, even though you don't like it. It's Whatever okay. you wanted. But that that thing. I just thought it was so adorable. So that's the news. That's the news. We've also got... The poll. Dun, dun, dun. Four entries into the poll. All right, so we've got Rogue and Gambit, Captain Marvel, Wolverine, and X-Men Red. Yes, and we have, like, I was surprised by this poll. I don't want to say things that will throw you off, but I was surprised by this poll. Okay, so X-Men Red wins. Obviously. Obviously. 63%. 78. All right. Sure. I, I tempered my guess because you said you were surprised. Was surprised by something else. You were surprised by something else. Captain Marvel was second? It was not. Rogan Gambit was second. What? With 17%. This is still not the surprise. What? Okay. What was Cap- there? I, I don't know. <laughs> my brain is I mean, whoosh. Of the three Rogan Gambit issues, this was probably my favorite, so I'll allow it, and that's okay. great. Okay. So Wolverine? Curls has some great questions later on. No. Captain Marvel is third with 7%. And Wolverine, number 33, is our first goose egg. Nothing? 0%. None? None None, votes? None votes. Not even a... What? Not even... I was looking through it because I was banking on Eric Huffman because he loves Wolverine. I love Wolverine. I didn't... You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna log in and vote for it right now. You can't. You can't just... You can't tamper with the poll like I do whatever that. I want I'm telling you you can't I disseminate the news I am the government and the media I literally hate that <laughs> so much overthrow overthrow hey, let's talk rebel about alliance let's talk, hey this is a cool shirt let's talk about X-Men Unlimited alright listen nature girl needs to take a seat this is the final X-Men green arc the final they promised us yeah because they're gonna take down nature girl Okay, I with, have... With friendship. I've got something to say Yay. before we even get into the content of this. What in the heck is Kate Pride wearing? Uh-uh. That is a horrific outfit. She looks like she's trying to hide that she's decapitated with that scarf. And like her eyes are not even open. She's like asleep in her image. I'm upset. You done my girl dirty. What's even happening there? She's just trying to hang out, you know? She's just trying to lead... The council. Oh, yeah. I see what you're talking about. Actually, most of their eyes are closed. Yeah, it's interesting. But basically, the council is mad because... What do we do about Nature Girl? Nature Girl's still out there wreaking havoc, but they aren't able to find her because she's in hiding with her spider girlfriend and 
her spider girlfriend is like, yo, Nisha girl, uh, is what we're doing actually good? Because it seems like it's bad. Seems like it's terrible. It seems like it's actually the opposite. And really, Nature Girl's like living in hiding. And she's got this plot where she's gonna... She she got the serum, Horticulture's crazy serum, right? It's theirs. Yes. And she's tricked these dragonflies into... Or, or trained these dragonflies into carrying little droplets of it. And she's just going to like drop it all over cities and towns and just retrograde or, or like de-evolutionize. I can't think of the correct word right now. Anyone and anyone, anyone and everyone that it lands on. It could be an animal. It can be a human. Doesn't it could be a mutant. Doesn't matter. As long as it's not Nature Girl and her team, then it's fine. And it's like a little crazy. Yeah, no, it's definitely crazy. I, I've been I've been out on Nature Girl for a while. She lost her mind. She's just going off. She's just trying to do whatever she wants to do. And she's got this new secret hideout and she's got secret attack plans. And iBoy stepping in, trying to like, hey, yeah. uh, let's not kill people and, and turn everybody into primordial ooze. Yeah. iBoy's like, hey, I'm here to set things straight. Get it together, Nature Girl. Yeah. Written by Steve Orlando, art by Emilio Lasso, colors Rachel Rosenberg, letters Joe Sabino Me in the house. Joey says. News. I got out of the news. I gotta say. <laughs> so the so there's this. I don't know if y'all know the app Marco Polo, but we started talking about what it means to pull a so and so because like this girl who hasn't been on the app for a while came back on and she started with like a little animal in the frame and I thought it was my friend Kelly because that's something Kelly would do so then we were like oh you totally pulled to Kelly which got us on this tangent of like how do you pull a whoever right and so I asked like what's pulling an Alicia and first my friend Nikki said pulling an Alicia is like scheduling yourself to be in five places at once and being in all five places in at once and then posting about it on social media on three different channels and I was like okay that hurts but it seems legit. But then my friend Lindsay said, no, pulling an Alicia is a singing salutation. It's when you say, hello, friends, or something like that. And I was like, that's accurate. Yeah. Also, and I choose that one. If I have to pick one, I would like it to be the singing salutations. Thank you. They're both accurate. Yeah. Okay. Iron Man? Iron Man, the highest level. The highest level. And by that, I mean, hey, we got a cover with classic characters. Dope. We got a throwback framing device. He's writing an autobiography and we're going back to our West Coast Avengers days where we're talking about blocking telepaths. That's the yeah. big important bit. And he's wearing a sick 80s suit. Right? The civil there's centurion. A, there's a difference. And this time he doesn't tell anybody that he's Tony Stark. Iron Man and Tony Stark are two different entities. Which if you talk to Warline, that is factually inaccurate. Okay. That he has been outed as Tony Stark at this point in continuity. Okay. Well... Not right now in this story, okay? Um, <laughs> and Tony is like trying to figure out who this Hazel Kendall is who seems to be interrupting the plans for side blockers. But psych, let's meet with Nick Fury. JK, it's not Nick Fury. It's Emma, Emma, get it, get it, Emma, Emma Frost. How excited were you to see your girl right here? I was so excited. 
You were not expecting it, even I though was. she's she's kind of on a cover. I was only expecting it because I saw the post that you posted that was like, oh, is Emma Frost an Invincible Iron Man? Yeah, arguably more than anything else. And I was like, wah, wah. But that's okay. I still loved it. And she's not only pretending to be Nick Fury, but she's also pretending to be Hazel. And she also says, yo, Iron Man, why don't you fight all of Spider-Man's villains real quick while I mind control them so I can get away with this briefcase of secrets and you don't know this anymore. Anymore. These are not the droids they're looking for. You do not remember me. And then all of a sudden he does remember in the middle of the night. And which there is, you have it. Which is interesting, right? So I, I feel like this is Jerry saying, no, they're not going to be together because they have this past <laughs> and Tony is going to remember it and it's not a good time. <laughs> Thanks, Jerry. Thanks, Jerry. I liked seeing like classic villain Emma. Yeah. You know? Well, it was this, nice. This felt like Devil's Reign. It felt like the X-Men Devil's Reign content where Jerry was saying, all right, let's let's seed uh, some history with Emma Frost connecting her to another Marvel character and play with that later on. As Kingpin has come back into the conversation, as, as that has blown up again later on. I just think that it's an interesting, especially with him on these different books, being on X-Men, being on Iron Man, being on uncanny avengers soon mm. to be able to to weave this into he's basically making his own continuity of the jerry like, the jerry verse sure and, and, and i'm to, here for it to warlion's uh protests he is ignoring some key quality points of history especially spider-man history oh no yeah <laughs> all I mean, we could jump into this, but warline said all my thoughts about iron man are about how many continuity mistakes there are so tony was outed as iron man Getting technology miniaturized, right? So they're talking about they have this replica of Magneto's helmet and they want to install it into someone's scalp, essentially. So yeah. that you can block telepathy without having to wear a really dope helmet. But, you know, whatever. Right. It's fine if you don't want to look cool. Right. Getting miniaturized technology is hard when Reed and Hank do it all the time and they are Tony's science bros. You know, you could just call up one of those guys and say, hey. Give me some pin particles. Give me some. If they do that, though, they have to reveal their plans, and they're trying to keep it secret from everybody. I feel. And the it's governments. Not Tony. Yeah, it's not Tony who's trying to figure it out. It's the government who's hiring Tony to figure it out. You're right, right. But if they hire Tony and he says, "Hey, Reed, how do you do all that science? Let's talk about it." That's the point. That's the no matter who's doing it, he's now doing it. And and calling Spider-Man's Rogues Gallery a kids' Rogues Gallery at a time where Peter is canonically getting married. And I, I don't know, you know, and I, I'm honestly not interested in the parsing details of when Peter's identity was revealed because I don't think anybody knew who he was. So even is he, is Iron Man, is Tony just calling Peter a kid because of how he sounds or how he fights or the jokes that he always does? Because I don't think that's, he doesn't I, know him on a personal basis. I think it's like he knows he's not as old as him and he's like the next generation. It's like you still think of people, like I have students who are grown adults and I still think of them as children because, or I still call them kid or like, you know, like I think of it as like a, like a kid unless like you're an actual child. I hate that. Well, I actually don't call anyone kid. I'm just saying like in my mindset, they're still a mentee of mine, Hmm. you know, in that kind of, mentor-mentee relationship that, you know, it's the kid. It's like, it's, I don't think he's like saying it ac- in accuracy of his exact age. And he also is like, 
I think, harping on himself because he's like, yo, this kid's rogues gallery is actually really hard to beat. And he's sort of saying like... Props to Spider-Man. Yeah, props to Spider-Man. He's a lot stronger than I thought. Yeah, he is. Bruiser33 is wondering, how do you both think Emma's involvement here ties to future stories? I think it's definitely that separation of the two. But then also, it's a distrust almost. I don't know if that seeds in, but... At the same time, it feels like Emma is the most trusted ally of random Avenger characters as been seated in Iron Man and Captain America. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it might cause Tony to question his relationship with her and then maybe bring it up to her and be like, hey, I remembered this thing. And she will probably be like, oh, darling, I did what I had to do. That's in the past. We're friends now. Get over it. Hmm. And but it might cause him some distrust. But I think it's it's also set to seed like maybe him remembering the way that Emma disguised herself as a way for him to say, Oh, let me use this in a way to fight against oh, Phelon. I like that. You know, like he's remembering that Emma did this to him, so now he How can do I use that use say, Hey Emma, I remembered this time you did this thing to me. It was bad, but it, let's I didn't use like that. it, but let's do it now to Phelong. Take down the Stark Sentinels. Like, pretend you're Fei Long and get into the facility or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I do want to call out a correction of sorts. So, when he's talking about the kids' rogues gallery, that is in present time, remembering. So, he knows who Spider-Man is. Mm. At least, I believe he does. But, I still like it. And it's doing well in the comic shop. It's selling out every time. I thought it was really good. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Oh, you an Iron Man fan or a Jerry fan? I'm a Jerry fan, obviously. Obviously. Vitorino said, Emma just being Emma and Emma-ing about. We love to see it. (laughs) Timeline-wise, is this before or after Dark Phoenix? Makes me wonder if that was the device Emma used to get in the Phoenix's head. So the device that she takes from Tony. Oh. And the way that she and Mastermind team up and are able to kind of implant Mastermind's visions into her mind. That's a really cool pickup. That would be cool. Headcanon. Boom. It's in there. It's in there. That's what it is. In the world of the ex-wife podcast, that's the truth. And it would be even more interesting if that's what connects to her, you know, the whole Jean Grey series, right? Jean Grey, Jean Grey, Jean Grey. The fact that this is what drives her to the Dark Phoenix. Mm, right? That that manipulation from the Hellfire Club. Trying to tie it all together. Who knows? Who knows? The Invincible Iron Man, A Blast from the Past. Written by Jerry Duggan. Art by Andrea DeVito. Colors, Brian Valenza. Letters, Joe Caramagna. VCs, Joe Caramagna. Kale Nigu on the cover. I love his covers here and did not like them in Marauders. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Next, Iron Man versus Stark Unlimited. Stark Unlimited must die. Dun, dun, dun. Are you ready for some rogue and gambetito? Some sugar and spice. Some sugar and spice. Art of Lucas posted something. It was a a t-shirt of the two of them, sugar and spice, and and Gambit saying something like, uh, you can drain me anytime or something like that. It's like, whoa, Remy. Oh, oh, oh. Well, what do you think about this cover? I think it's interesting. She's sad. She's looking sad. She's so sad. Watching ghost images of her husband getting jumped, but also, spoiler alert, This is not how it goes down. Correct. Unless somehow, I don't know. We'll see. In issue four. 
kind of into the color scheme of it all. I think it's kind of cool, psychedelic-ish. The but, green. You know. And the sepia. It is sepia. what it is. Yeah. Are you ready? Sure. Page turn noise. The murder mommies are concerned. Not about Rogue. <laughs> about that dope gambit. Oh, poor gambit. It really is. It's Destiny poor really hates him, huh? She does. And and you can't blame her, I guess, because she is a precog, so she knows things that we don't. So I guess there's a reason. I don't know. I feel like it doesn't come from that. I feel like she just thinks he's a buffoon. Yeah, or or not good enough for her daughter. Yeah. But as, as we see him literally being a buffoon in Forge's lab, but tactfully. A tactful buffoon. Yes, that's my gambit. This this issue felt like gambit. Mm, okay. This one, I was like, okay, yeah, this is gambit. Okay, good. So they're in Forge's lab. There's so many toys. Some explode. And Gambit wants to touch stuff. And Forge is like, yo, bro, don't touch my stuff. And Rogue wants to get straight to the business and talk about the suit. She's like, I know about the Caliban suit, okay? Stop playing games, Forge. Give me the suit. And I need to find Manifold. Gambit's face. The taste of betrayal. The taste of betrayal. The eyes. Just wait. Share. You know this and you don't tell me none? <laughs> She's like, yeah, well, what are you not telling me, sugar? Yeah, seriously. I do. I love the way that Carlos draws everything. Like, like I, could, I, could, I was going to say Rogue, but also Forge. And also Mystique. And also Gambit. And Mystique and Destiny are looking great in the beginning. Yeah. Mystique looks like she's 20 years younger. Like, I mean, <laughs> she's hot. Sure, yeah. All right, well, we can't go any further without a title page. You know, a jean jacket. Like the suit. I love it. Broken Promises and Broken Bones. Written by Stephanie Phillips. Art by Carlos Gomez. Colors David Curiel. Letters Ariana Maher. BC. Steve Morris on that cover with all the trippy colors. Take us to your notes, Forge. Tell us how you feel guilty about doing the right thing, but also having done a bad thing. Tell us how you're going to admit that you went to Sinister for help. Right, right. Ooh. And I feel like this issue is the most connected to Krakoa. Yes, for In sure. that it references this suit and a couple of other things as we go through, so... I don't know. Your feelings have changed. Uh, I don't know if I'd say that. I enjoyed this issue. Curls has a couple of questions asking if I'm still on the fence or asking asking if we're still on the fence, but... We'll see. We'll see. But either way, he's basically letting us know in this note that he hates what he did and therefore it must be destroyed. Burn it. Light it on fire like a pile of beast corpses. Meanwhile, flashback... Flashback to a wounded Wolverine after an escape by Rogue. I don't know exactly where this takes place, but I think it's early 90s. I was like, it takes place in the danger room, Justin. It says it right there. Ha ha ha. Where and when. Even even Wolverine looks great. Look, I mean, he looks like he's been had he the crap really beaten out of him. He's really been working out, though. Look at those muscles. His arm is huge. Yeah. But yeah, he's having a rough time, but Rogue, she she blasted off because she can't hang right now. And Gambit's going to go find her and make sure she's okay. Because Captain Marvel's powers are too much. And he's like, you know what? Kiss me and you'll figure out you can control them. This is, this is sweet. It's so sweet. This is good Gambit. I love their relationship. Yeah. Sparks flying. 
has he is visibly dying from his speech bubbles fading. Oh. Then he says, but you know I won't even leave even when it hurts. I know. It's cute. But come back to the current day where things aren't going so well. It's not as romantic as they are in argument about this suit. Gamut's pissed. And Forge is like, guys, you don't need to argue because I don't even have it. So yeah. it's fine. There was a suit that could track and become any mutant, which I think is an interesting way to refer to it. Mm-hmm. That, that's not really something that I'd, I mean, I guess I'd put that together just seeing it. But that as now I understand the data page and, right. and what could in the same way that we've seen in Free Comic Book Day. Captain Krakoa's suit was just captured. Right. So if that had also happened, right. that would have been terrible. If someone terrible. stole the Caliban suit, we'd be in trouble. Right. And she's a little, she's, Rogue's a little mad. She's well, like, well, what, do you, yeah. what do you mean? She wanted it. I need that. <laughs> All her, of it's gone? Look at her eyes. Her eyes are popping out in that panel where mm-hmm. she's yelling at Forge. Everything is gone? And then what does Gambit do but touch the thing he's not supposed to touch and cause a giant explosion? Boom! I I love Forge just going off. Get out of my lab. Get the F out of here. Get out of my laboratory! Didi, you have ruined everything! Get out of my laboratory! As they're walking away, (laughs) as they're walking away, still arguing, you ruin everything, Gambit. And Which, he was like, oh, yeah? Yeah. What about this little disc of information? And and just, it's like, I, I don't need to take this. Mm-hmm. I don't need you to yell at me. I don't need this. I did the right thing, even if it wasn't the right way to do it. I didn't light anybody on fire this, this time. time. <laughs> sure, I just lit Forge's lab on fire. I just destroyed property. Yeah, destroyed Cohen intellectual property and things that probably would have helped us in the fall of X. Shipper. <laughs> But either way, he's like, here you go, love. Yeah, he really actually saved the day. He's a gambling man and can read all your tells, Forge. You can be good at at inventing, but you suck at cards. Yeah, don't think you can tell lies because it ain't going to work. And then he's like, yo, Rogue, see you later. You got to do the rest of this mission on your own. You can finish the mission. This was really just... My uh, heart hurt. I, I don't know. Like, I get where he's coming from because... To just go off on him like that. And at the same time, in issue two, no, she definitely should have gone off on them on him for that. I mean, but I don't think so. Like, if you take just specifically the gambit that's been in this series and all the shenanigans he's been doing and how he keeps, like, exploding things and causing mayhem, and then you're in this moment where you're trying to talk to Forge and then all Gambit does is touch something Forge literally said not to touch and then it explodes... You would get mad too. You wouldn't be like, oh, he must have done that for some other reason. The only thing in this series that I hold against Gambit is lighting that girl on fire. Right. But you're telling me that if you and Gambit were partners and you were in an intense situation and he's messing around, touching stuff and Forge is like, don't touch that. And then you get you get in a heated conversation with Forge and then Gambit touches something that Forge literally said not to touch and the whole place explodes that you wouldn't be like... What the heck? Oh, classic Gamby Gams. You would be mad. You wouldn't just assume, hey, what'd you steal during that explosion? Sticky fingers. But it's really, for me, it's the panel where he kisses her on the forehead and you can like see the sadness in her face. That in both of their yeah. faces. Saving yes. the world comes first. <laughs> you know where you can find me, so go find Manifold. That just... Woof. Yeah. I understand where he's coming from. Even if he did just mess things up. And I understand where they're both coming from. So I guess that that's, that's where I'm at. 
is that there was a miscommunication as we then explore in this data page. But because Rogue goes to Rocket Raccoon for her relationship advice. Rocky, which I mean, come on. I love this relationship. It's only been seeded a couple times that they are friends. And, yeah. and basically that one issue of X-Men that a lot of this comes out of. Mm-hmm. But this text message back and forth, Gambit seems distant. Talking to the, the sage raccoon for relationship advice and then just not wanting to deal with what he dishes out to her. Yeah. Don't ask for advice you can't take. We're better at the physical than the verbal, you know? Gross. The vomit face. Vomit emoji. (laughs) I'm a talking raccoon. I don't need to know your personal details. (laughs) Meanwhile. This New Mexico find. This rogue comes into a very obvious trap. Yeah. I mean, it's it's deep, but it's open. (laughs) She could just fly right in. There's Manifold. But rumble, rumble, rumble. Who else is there? Everybody. But Lady Deathstrike and Juggernaut and Absorbing Man and Electro and also Vanisher. And they all have very vacant eyes. Yeah, something's not right. There's a voice in the distance saying, ha ha, Rogue, they're coming for you. Who could this mysterious voice be but the person who is pulling the strings and is still not revealed? I know, and it makes me so mad that it's still not revealed and that you know who it is. And I'm like, I don't want you to tell me because I want to find out on my own. But I was really hoping I was going to find out now so that I wouldn't have to live another month without knowing while you know. And that's not the case. It's not the case. What is the case is that these devices that are causing them to be under control are also wired into... Their central nervous systems. And they die if you pull them off. Yeah. So Rogue's like, aha, mysterious voice. You can't capture me and you can't have these people anymore. I'm going to rip this device off. And then what does she do but kill the Vanisher? I mean, if you were to kill anybody, Vanisher is good to kill. Because he's a mutant, he can resurrect. Other than Manifold, the rest are not. And now she's just left with all the bad guys. Yeah, not a Not a great time to have an emotional reaction. No. Killer Tech. Our next issue, our fourth of five. Means we got to be getting to the juicy bits. I mean, this is kind of put the juicy bits out there. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right? But we need, you know, we need an issue to discover who the master mind behind all of this evil is. And then we need an issue to take them down, hopefully. Yeah, I would or progress that story a little further. I would 100% confirm that we're going to find out who they are in issue 4 because they are on the cover of issue 5. So, and in the solicitation deck. I just don't understand why you would put a reveal like that on a cover and then put the cover out in the world. That just seems rude. He has no comment. Yeah, I was upset when it was <laughs> spoiled to me because I always go on when solicitations come out for all those covers to be able to that's basically free social posts right right yeah i mean this was decent enough plot progression i wasn't upset while reading it this time i i think deep down i know i don't like the series but this issue wasn't bad i i enjoyed this issue gambit gambit using his skills in a non-murdery way (laughs) this was an appropriate amount of criminal gambit and i i love always the art Always. And I just, I think I'm curious about the plan of this person. It's killing me to dance around their name every time because <laughs> I know it. Or at least it'd be crazy if that was just a, a misdirect. Yeah. 
And they were just like, no, it's not him. Oh, you had to use the male pronouns? <laughs> it's not them. It's too, too late. late. <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> I was just talking to Comic Extracts who had asked, who do we think this person is? And I told him, I, I, I know. And he's like, no, don't spoil it. But that also that makes it not as much fun for the pod. Right. Because, I mean, who do you think it is? Do you have any inclination of who it might be? Who do I think it is? Ah, uh, it's the Kingpin. Oh, interesting. It's not. <laughs> I don't know. Do you want me to tell you it's not? No, like, I don't want you to. I don't think anybody listening to this podcast wants you to tell them who it is. No. Good. Great. Wonderful. Surprise is in the moment. Well, if you wanted to know, you could just go on any site where you get previews or, or solicitations. I like there's I feel truly in my Gemini self right now because there's one part of me that's like Google it immediately. And then there's another part of me that's like, no, wait and find out. Wait and find out. Barusu33 is loving Deathstrike more and more. It's so fun, especially because she used to be a meanie. Mm. I love I love the use of the word meanie, meanie in this because that is absolutely what Deathstrike was. But she's going through this renaissance now with Deadpool, with Rogue and Gambit, even with the X-Men issue mm-hmm. where, it, okay, she can be friends. We can hang out. She cool. Adamantium fingers be damned. <laughs> Curl says, to me, Rogue and Gambit is accurately showing the trials of a partner. Are y'all still on the fence? I mean, I... I've never really been on the fence. I've always liked it, but the way that you and other people reacted to the uh, portrayal of Gambit made me question, you know, oh, should I like this? Is it kind of taking me down the wrong path? But I really enjoyed that issue. And I like seeing, I like seeing their relationship and seeing how, you know, the toll it takes because Carl's is totally right in that these are two people who are both pulled in a million directions and they love each other so much, but they also can't give the accurate or appropriate amount of attention to the other person. So there's a lot of strain on their relationship and yeah. you know, it's cool for them to be a staple relationship throughout the X and Marvel universe, but you have to know that realistically there's going to be some trouble sometimes. Some drama. And the sheer fact that the, the initiation of this, you know, storyline started with them trying to take some time to be together and work on their stuff to then be led into yet another adventure where they don't have time to do that is kind of and especially just the, the nature of the, the game, I guess. Yeah, and the foreboding nature of Destiny's visions and the fact that Gambit is on Dark X-Men after the fall and Rogue is not anywhere to be seen Yeek. doesn't make me feel good inside. No, you're right. It doesn't. That flashback, Curls is saying, that flashback melted my heart. Are you sure you're still on the fence? <laughs> I Listen, heart melted also, Curls. Heart melted also. I, I honestly was on one side of the fence, but I got back on the fence, if that is beneficial to the conversation. <laughs> you hopped over. You were done. I was, I was not enjoying it. I was enjoying the art and just I love Gambit and I really enjoyed Rogue, but... Now I'm on the fence because Peeking I was looking over to yeah, the other I'm side. Like, hey, well, I mean, like it's cool. Y'all got What's over there? Something on the barbecue? I'm, I'm a terrible neighbor. I'm very, very weird. <laughs> Hanging out in the backyard, random hours, scaring the bunny rabbits. Don't scare the bunny rabbits. <laughs> Sorry. You just laughing about the bunny rabbits? I am. Because... <laughs> 
Because I named them and Alicia hates I the hate names. I hate the names. Their names are Remus and Rastus. Those are not their names. Those are their names. They respond to them and we hang out. They do not respond yes, they do. to them. You don't, you're not even here sometimes. And I hang out with Remus and Rastus. And we eat carrots. Don't lie to me on this show. <laughs> I'm not. You John, eat carrots with them? Yeah. I bought some carrots specifically for them. Are you kidding me right now? I'm the Disney princess of this you area. You fed them carrots? They came up to you and ate carrots out of your freaking hands. Are you lying? Yes. You're lying. Yeah. I, I was just so upset. I was like, how dare you do that without me? I thought about doing it. Oh, my God. I will cry myself to sleep. Anyway. John on Facebook was really annoyed with Rogue's inconsistent powers. She said she has Captain Marvel's powers. And I wanted to follow up with John because I remember reading that and I couldn't remember where. She says it here, but in a flashback. So I wasn't sure if that was the only point or if she says it in Captain Marvel. Mm. And I didn't have the digital copy to be able to flip through real quick. She does talk in Captain Marvel about wanting to be able to pay Carol back for what happened. And she does reference her powers. But isn't that how Rogue can fly? Doesn't she always hold on to some of Captain Marvel's powers? No more. No longer. So she lost Captain Marvel's powers and now has Wonder Man's powers, which comparable. Oh, interesting. So I went back. You went back. Checked it out. Check the tapes is a well i mean yes i did that too yeah whatever there's a bunch of justins anyway <laughs> rogue and gambit as yes. she rogue is arriving to the trap she says someone with captain marvel's powers which canonically at this time she does not have Ooh. captain marvel's power so john is correct that this is infuriating and should be addressed i think that maybe just people are i don't know no no, I was going to say, I think that maybe the writer just needs to brush up yeah. on continuity a little. That's a, especially for one of the title characters, that's a big detail to not know or to have skipped or to be confused on. And for editorial, like, this is not just the writer looking at the book. This is everybody involved missing that as a detail. Right. And, and you know. Some nitpicks of continuity, we can let slide. But like blatant ignoring of a fact, that's just, that rubs me the wrong way. And it makes me feel like, okay, did you not do your homework on this character that you're writing? Because this is... I mean, does it help at all that I thought she still had Captain Marvel's powers? No. (laughs) No, it does not. That does not give me any leeway. Okay. Vitorino said... It is wild to me how everyone in world hates Gambit now and loves Rogue. He's done plenty to prove himself, even after Antarctica. And Forge definitely shouldn't judge. Which, I mean, I I get it because I'm a Gambit fan and I'm here for Gambit. But he does mess up here and there. And Eh, He's lovable, though. He's lovable. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. It's He should not be getting the kind of hate that he's getting. No. Especially from They're Forge. just kind of treating him like he's like an annoying little kid. He's the sad sack. He's he's Aww. the right. He's the punching bag. No, it, it, it's in the pages. So comic extracts did make a prediction. Oh, is it Hodge and the right? Cameron Hodge. Right, right, right. Who we've only seen in Hellions as kind of like a technologically altered version of himself, destroyed by. The smileys, so maybe not, but who who knows? Maybe, could be. I do know. It's not. (laughs) 
Ooh, roasted. Uh, I, I hope that it gets revealed next issue because I can't do this for a whole nother episode. <laughs> Are you ready to talk Captain Marvel number 49? Yeah. This was a great issue. I thought so too. When it says at the end, like, it should be, like the story will wrap up in the night. I was like, oh, in the next issue of Captain Marvel, are we getting it? Because I need to know how it ends. I thought about it. I thought about it a couple of times. You know, there's one more issue I've had with the last five plus a couple others from previously with Judgment Day. So. I think you need to get it because I would like to read it. I think you need to get it. Come on. You're the one that goes to the comic shop. Don't be like this. We're we're married. What's mine is yours. Why are you 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 stirring the pot I'm over stirring there? Stirring the pot. I'm stirring uh, the pot. Good gravy. Well, we already talked about the cover. We did. So let's get into it. Sure. Page turn noise. <laughs> oh, the art in this book is so amazing. It is. It's not that one artist a couple issues ago, but I do really like this issue. Especially the colors. The colors make it pop everywhere. Carol in mourning, just, just, she's dead. Leave. I don't know if she's in mourning. She's in like hardcore denial mode or I mean, like a, anger. That is a stage of grief, sure. Right. Like she is, she is not dealing with it in an appropriate way and is very angry at her friends. And you, she wants to be alone and she wants to explode herself to death and take the, all the brood with her. And they don't want to do that. They're yeah. sticking around and she telling them, all right, it's your funeral. That's yeah. up to you. She's like, listen. Oh, and the whole moment she's having with Jessica where she's like, you got to go. You got to take Binary's body and you got to get out of here. And Jessica's like, but I don't want to because I don't want to lose you. I've already lost enough. And Carol's like, yeah, me too. And I'm going to lose myself. So get out. Ah, uh, comics. And the brood queen is like. Empress. Yeah, that lady. She's like, ha ha ha. You're a bomb. You're going to kill the Kree. And Carol's like, psych. I'm going to kill you. I remapped the genetic code of whatever it is I got inside me. The fact that she calls out, I don't know, I think it's a little bit further that the only reason I am able to do this is because, because you killed you. Binary. Yeah. Binary came in and told me in my brainscapes. Before we go on, we've got to do this title page. Revenge of the Brood. Conclusion. Written by Kelly Thompson. Art by Sergio Davila. Inks, Sean Parsons with Roberto Poggi. Colors, Ceci de la Cruz. Letters, Clayton Coles. He sees Clayton Coles. Juan Frigeri and David Curiel on that beautiful cover. So this is the moment when Carol's basically telling the Brood Empress her secret plot. She's kind of doing an evil villain monologue here. Well, she's also on the wavelength of Cyclops in the last issue of X-Men. She's like, yeah, I'm going to kill all, all of y'all. Yeah, she, she cares I'm, I'm not. I'm sick of it. I'm done with it. And some of the team starts to sprout brood babies. And she's like, maybe if I use my broodlings, my brood power killer, then I can just use it a little bit and just kill the broodlings without taking out the team. And that seems to work. So good job. It does. Now go. Get out of gone. Get. She's, she's white fanging them hard. Yeah. Go on, get. Get out of here. And, and you know, Rogue's like, hey, Psylocke, can you just do us a favor and make sure that the brood babes are actually gone? And she's like, yeah, there is, but someone else is coming. And first Rogue what? is like, oh, oh no. no. Psylocke's like, nah, you're going to like this. This is a good thing. This is a great panel. You love a drop-in shot. It's not even a drop-in. It's like a casual walk-in. 
but this panel, this panel is the reason why I'm upset that I don't have a digital copy of this right now. Because you want to post this I panel. I want to post the hell out of this panel. I want to post it today. Beep, beep, boop, bop, beep. The team is here. It's the X-Men. You know, the other half of the story. The other X-Men. No, it's the it's the X-Men. It's the, the team. Yeah. Yes, yes, these are all mutants who are not currently X-Men right. members. Right. That's the difference. You know, I, I still remember the first Hellfire Gala where Shaw's like, uh, actually, we're not all X-Men, just so we're clear. Just so we're clear. Do not lump me in with them. I'm here for business only. Yeah. And Cyclops is just immediately taking charge. And I kind of love it because or I say I understand the way you say that you don't seem to like it. No, it's not that I don't like it. It's just that he like there's one line that's like said like we don't really know who says it because it's off panel and I know it's him and I just feel like it's kind of rude. Like I just don't care for it. Oh, I, I love how he does this. I understand that this whole team was doing their thing. They were still defeating the brood in their own right and doing something positive. But here's the tactical guy that literally his secondary mutation is tactics and strategy and just like, yeah. It's fine. That's fine. That's not even what I'm talking about. He comes in. He's figuring it out. He divides them up into teams. He's he's like the fresh face coming in to regroup and make stuff happen. And Carol's gone off to be in this sky and turn into an exploding star and he's like all right if we're gonna be here we got things we gotta do let's get rid of get the get binary's body out of here take care of x y and z and you know send out your teams and that's appropriate rogue and gambit have another beautiful moment because he's checking in on her he's like yo something's not right your eyes are going crazy what's going on something's cooking and she's like well you know I just feel like Carol's going through a lot and I want to help her, but, you know, we just got on good terms. I don't want to step on her toes. Yeah, I I thought that this whole story was really good, at, and especially where it comes in in later on about making amends for the past trauma. Yeah. Especially in parallel with Jean's story with the Phoenix and and an Mm X-Men, to just be able to maybe one day put this behind them and know like, oh no, I messed up. I was a dumb kid. I was a villain. I had crazy hair. Now I'm better. And we get, you know, friend reunions of sorts. And this is the one. It's like, as these two are hugging it out. Um, Hazmat and Spider-Woman. Yes. They're they're having their reconnection moment. They're, they're trying to deal with everything that's going on. I understand that they need to focus, but you hear this tighten up. We're here. And it's like, oh, is that Cyclops off panel? Oh, it's got to be. But also at the same time, that's that's what you need if you're about to fight the big bads. Yeah, you know, it's just certain things by certain people will always bother me for no reason. Sure. I do like the fact that Hazmat and Spider-Woman are regretting not being able to have said goodbye to Binary. And, right. and just the emotional resonance of this loss between the team members. Well, I wonder, is it just Binary they're talking about? Or are they like, they didn't get to say goodbye to Carol and what if she doesn't come back? Sure. You know? I think it's both. should be. As we get this big old boom through the brood. Yeah. Carol's going hard. This, uh, the fighting, Talon and Wolverine fighting together. This is the art that I love. I will say that this art, I don't love all the faces all the time. Sure. But the dynamics the action, of the yeah. shots, the it, action, it's so good. This reminds me of a panel of a double page splash in a previous issue 
that was very similar where the whole team's going out. You know, I, I think we said it last issue where the plot of this book has been very focused mm-hmm. in that it doesn't introduce a whole lot of other things, right? It's it's this team fighting the brood again and again, right? Mm-hmm. This shot essentially happened in an issue a couple week a couple months ago, but I love it still. It's, it's still inter- great. It's interesting, right? Because we were just talking about in the last few weeks, we've been talking about the X-Men Unlimited that's just like mojo verse over and over and over. And I'm like, I don't care, but I'll watch them fight the brood all day. All day. Slashing sleezoids left and right. The fact that Talon and Laura don't acknowledge each other at all in this issue. They are existing in separate spaces. I thought it would, I thought it would be hilarious if anyone on the team that's not an X-Men was, was like, like, hey. What's happening? Are there, aren't there two of you? You guys don't even talk to each other? What, what's up with this? But Rogue has an idea. And so she's going to ask Laura for a little extra juice. A little healing power-up. Because she's about to do something. About to get crazy. Don't worry. Remy's on board. He knows what's up. Does he? I don't know. Probs not. We're just going for it. She's going to Carol. She's confronting Carol. And she's saying, listen, you don't have to do this by yourself. Lock it up. Let me help you. Power down. I I love when she says... I won't take from you without asking, but we can share it. Carol. Share the burden. Yeah. No, this was a great moment. This is just this exchange between the two of them to know to have it teed up in that article, their history, their years of history. Mm-hmm. And to have really, I don't know if this is putting it at at rest, but this is a step forward in their peace. Yeah. I thought it was a really beautiful moment. And they're able to, you know, destroy the Empress, probably some other brood, and then still be beautiful glowing stars and make their way back down and have their happy reunions and go to what Carol is naming Planet Marvel. Love it. Here for it. And Barry Binary. And, you know, Rogue is telling Gambit how she didn't just absorb carol's powers but also her sadness so Which i love that I just she feel needs like a minute that's awesome and and really deep to the story yeah and and then you know we we get the conclusion next in the big finish the conclusion of the series with issue 50 yeah that feels like a big a big deal yeah it is it is what'd you think oh i really liked it i thought it was really fun and action-packed and i loved seeing the bouncing of all the characters back and forth and you get like little snippets you got like some good quippy little magic lines in there yeah i thought it was great yeah especially emotionally i I just think that all the characters leaning on each other for support was really nice and it showed how much they care Mm -hmm. rogue was just a standout in this issue as well as captain marvel but also cyclops a little bit in his change in mood from wanting to kill them all to this idea of, no, all right, how do we solve this? How do we work together and do this? Mm-hmm. The team arrival shot, I, I will never not be excited about something like that. Right. And the action splash is just so beautiful. So great. Really great. Warline's calling out Cyclops being written differently than in X-Men. And he likes that because he hated how he was written in X-Men, wanting the genocide. Yeah, genocide's yeah, a great I, idea. I would agree. It did feel like he didn't really remember that part of his motivation when in sure. this issue. Yeah, or there was a missed step of communication in mm-hmm. the tie-in. Comic Extracts 
said that Captain Marvel had a really nice reconciliation between Rogue and Carol. A bit rushed, but I like the concept. And I would agree that the the moment between them felt a little rushed in that she comes up, she kind of saves the day, but it's beautiful in the big like expanse of powers and to kind of walk her off that cliff and then to have it emotionally sit with Rogue after the fact. So that connection isn't done between the two of them, but it is furthered at this point. I think, I I mean, I guess maybe I could see what you guys are saying about it being rushed in dialogue, but I think the vis- the visualization of the art of the two of them kind of like combining together and, you know, sharing a moment, mm-hmm. that was a beautiful representation mm. of, the, of the moment. Like if you paused and just looked at that art, you take in like that's that hug could last forever. Yeah, it's true. You don't know you don't know how long it was on in the universe, right? And even just the the amount of power building and the amount of planning to get to that moment, and and really it was all about that moment. That was the big finish of this issue and of this arc. Essentially, it did feel like the X Men didn't do a whole lot. Well, I mean, they were there to help fight. Yeah. Vitorino said, what a great conclusion. This whole brood saga has been so interesting. I'm curious if this is laying the groundwork for a brood genocide in the future. Carol didn't kill all brood this time, but it feels right for a future plot point. I mean, they've been teasing it in X-Men. They yeah. teased it even again here. It's it's in the dialogue. It's out there. It's in people's minds. Yeah, it for sure feels like even though we've quote unquote defeated the brood, that that story is not over. Right. Are you ready for the bubs? Oh, yeah. The, I still can't believe this got no votes. I, neither can I. I'm just, this was I, a great issue. I thought so, too. I think this is a great story, too. In, in general, I feel like it's Percy at the top of what he's been working on for, what, three years or so across two different titles? Yeah. This cover, Beast is wielding the Cerebro Sword. Yeah. That's this, interesting. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I first posted this cover, I'm pretty sure it was Art of Lucas that pointed out the fact that Wolverine in this image looks like he's about seven feet tall in comparison to Beast. Like Wolverine is a very small guy compared to Beast. And just the the fact that, yes, Beast's leg is crouched, but Wolverine, they look like they're equal height in this moment. Upsetting. It is. It is upsetting, especially for... An artist like Lucas who works on making sure that people mm-hmm. are represented size and especially someone who is iconically a short stack. That's like saying Wolverine and Colossus are the same size. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Let's dive in. But, but I'm a big fan of this cover and the matchup energy. Yes. Yeah. Like the the whenever there's those like yeah, yeah, lines. The anime lines. Yeah. I'm into it. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Ready? You ready? I'm ready. Okay. Page turn noise. As we prepare for our recon mission, we can't let that dead Logan float about in the water. Oh, and this is how Beast sets up his own downfall with his snarky, snarky self. This is the first step. You think. One of the beasts is like, oh, you want one of us to go with the team? Yes. Thank you for volunteering. Yes, Beast. Yeah, there's too much beast, 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 so beast. Much. It's like you would never in conversation, I would never say your name that much. What? Absolutely, Alicia. 
Of course, Alicia. Well, You're when right. you want to hear your own name and praise yourself, you would. That's a good point. You know, this is ego to the ultimate extent. Yeah. So they got to go find that lost Wolverine. His maverick spying eyes are in the distance. And Maverick's like, haha, I hid that lost Wolverine and I see you looking. And what am I going to do but sneak in and kill you all? Because I'm pissed. That sub was super expensive. <laughs> just, I love I love Maverick Unleashed. Yeah. I've never really been like, oh, yeah, Maverick. He's, he's just not had a whole lot to him. But this was a good Maverick issue. The, the other thing I really appreciate about this issue is I love when a Wolverine issue is really art heavy. Like yeah. that's still, like there's so much of the story is being told by the art of, you know, Maverick seeing Beast and the Wolverines enter the submarine. He's going in after them. You have this beautiful two page spread of him taking out the Wolverines one by one until he's left oh, with the this. beast. I love this floating, looking like he's dead and then sneaking up behind him and shooting him in the face. Yeah. There's just so many awesome moments. He takes out the beast and then he sets, you know, detonates an explosive to blow up the ship and makes it out right in time. And then, you know, disrupts the meaning of the beasts. But they all think, well, that explosion was too intense and not even Maverick could have survived that. Right. So it was self-destruct. Everything must be fine. Just damn it all. And then we've got a transcript oh, of surveillance because Beast knows that he even himself cannot be trusted to think that he is better than himself. Well, yeah, no, he is. He has this ego and he's lording it over these people. So obviously that same ego lives in his clones and he's like, hey, wait a minute. Why are you Beast Prime? We're all just Beast. Yeah, and the Beasts are... they. The thing is, they're picking up on little subtleties, you yeah. know, and, and one of which is that he made all of them nearsighted, so all of them have to wear glasses except for him. Right. That's been the only visual distinction between them all. And their hair is different. Their sure. hair is slicked back. His hair is crazy. Yeah. But we can't get any further until we go through the title page. Beasts of Burden. Weapons of X, part three. Written by Benjamin Percy, art by Juan Jose Reap, colors Frank Diamarta, letters Corey Petit. This is Corey Petit. Leno Francis Yu and Romulo Fajardo Jr. on the cover. Ah. Uh, Maddie Haha. Where are you? <laughs> We're waking up in the Healing Gardens. Jeff Bannister is awake. And panicked. Because well, he sees his daughter's backpack, but not his daughter. I mean, there is a human shaped imprint Hole. on this yeah. thing i guess she died and they didn't want me to see my dead daughter no it's terrible no she's hanging out with wee tom and black tom and having the grand old time they love it they're best friends nobody needs to be x-force security we're hanging out with a child it's cool nothing's happening nobody's falling the island isn't going to be in peril don't worry jeff go on your mission Just we'll hang out here enjoy make terrible decisions with the cia it's great meanwhile Maverick takes the Wolverine clone, which he has held captive, I love this. to his safe house and tosses him in a cage and then is surprised by his good friend, the real Wolverine. Well, just just the, the hiding of this safe house in the rocks and the visuals of what he's got set up here, how he's able to just have this cage set up and he has a beer fridge stocked fully. And I just love the... You know, these two and their relationship where it's like one minute they hate each other and the next minute they love each other. And 
Wolverine's like, listen, I know this was Beast. Like, let's sort this out. And then Maverick's like, yeah, let's go kill him together. Right. I, I just, the point of what the heck is going on? Uh, long story is Beast. He's gone rogue. He's just doing whatever he wants. And the council says, yeah, go for it. Yeah. And the conversation of like, obviously this isn't me because if it was me, you'd be dead. And then Maverick says, these off-brand potato chip Wolverines, they're kind of dumb. It was like my favorite line of the whole book. <laughs> I mean, they are. And potato chip they're so, Wolverines. They're so primal and rage filled. I love this mercy kill from Wolverine to see this in the. And, and you got to think he's probably feeling some things right now, right? To see himself manipulated in this way to want to not be reduced to this state as he's been put back into by someone that was supposed to be his teammate. But how is he mercy killing someone with a healing factor? He's stabbing him in the heart. But no, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that guy's coming back to life once they leave. In the same way, how is Beast, How is the other Wolverine even dead? You know? Right. He's not. He's not. He can regain himself from a drop of blood. Yeah. We've seen it in other magic infused, but whatever. <laughs> it's fine because Beast's clearly not an iceberg. Iceberg is hiding out and he's about to do some more dirty business. Alicia has some qualms with this. The I fact just, that, that doesn't look like an iceberg. Those are clearly eye holes. Yeah, but it's on radar. Like Nobody can see that far in the dark. What are you talking about? I can clearly see that from the ship. <laughs> from the ship? Look, at they're on the ship. Look at Yes, they're on I the know. Ship. That's a skeleton face. That is illuminated to an extent so you can see the details of all the people on this ship. That is not the dead of night as they are sneaking onto this freighter. Boo-hoo to you. I disagree. They should be able to tell that's not an iceberg. Look at the perfect roundness of the top. It's just a really nice iceberg. Unnatural. Fake iceberg. It doesn't matter. Iceberg whatever, implants. Whatever happens, it doesn't matter because whole, whole world pharmacies is going down. The Wolverines are exploding it. This was maniacal. This was tactical to the next level. Just, it's genius and manipulative in a way that the council, even the black market of Hellfire would never do. To to kill all the medicine that would be going to this black market country, right? So the black market, I believe, is under Kate right now. Mm-hmm. They would potentially sell some things to England, but to eliminate their supply, to put lives in danger. He don't care. He doesn't care. He don't care about nobody. And then everybody's going to be like, oh, wow, I really want these Krakoan medicines. They're so much better than what we got. <sighs> and then we have, we carry on with the meeting of the beasts. Oh. They're plotting <laughs> their fellow beast slash leader beast, Beast Prime's demise. Yeah, and we can't just come up to him because he would gas us. It's exactly what I would do. And we can't do anything about it because he can replace us as long as he has the Cerebro Sword, which means the Cerebro Sword is a source of his helping his cloning, essentially. Sure, right, because I guess the Cerebro Sword also retains its Cerebro abilities, which we've seen throughout this series and run mm-hmm. as it's been wielded by Mikhail and used in various ways to not only create demon versions of Quentin Choir, but also travel through time. Yes. Cut to the CIA headquarters where Jeff Bannister is back and 
you know, Dolores is wondering, like, what the heck? Where you been? We thought something bad had happened. Also, why do you suddenly want to go, back, go in back out into the field? Because I'm riled up. And also, the CIA clearly knows because Jeff is not breaking the news of Beast being a rogue sure. agent. They already know. They already know all of it. And they know the fact that Krakoa is distanced from him, considering him a war criminal. Who's yeah. giving them this intel? Do they have a mole on the inside? That's a good question. That was before I got righteously pissed off. Back to the beasts. Oh, man. And the bubs. Oh, man. And Beast says, hey, fellow beasts. We got we got a little we mission. Got a, we got a new mission. Why don't you come over here and let your guts get ripped out by these wolverines, you dirty scoundrels. Sneaking up behind me like I wouldn't even notice. I got this whole place bugged. You think I'm not paranoid? I've been paranoid since the start. I'll kill you all. Just this, just this panel of all the wolverines attacking all the beasts. It's just ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. In the best way. Yes. Burn them. Burn them all. I'll begin processing their replacements. Because that's all you are. You're fodder. And you I can get rid of you. to me. You're not people. And then Maverick has targeted Beast. He's gone through his process. That's what this data page gives us. Yep. And then he says... Let's roll out and kill his ass dead. Bom, bom, bom. While the CIA team is rallying in the distance, also going after Beast and his lair. And then what happens, but we think, oh, we found someone. It's one of those Wolverine clones. Yeah, we're tracking and we have a positive ID on a Wolverine clone, but we see it is actually Wolverine hanging out with Maverick in his cool boat. About to get shot up and killed oh, and ruining, shot to the head. ruining Maverick's boat. Maverick's going to be really upset. All his nautical, you know, rides are blown but, up. But also man's got an adamantium skull and a healing factor. So what is this going to do? What do they have? Do they have Mysterium bullets? I don't no. think so. Do they have, is even adamantium bullets? I don't know. They're the CIA. They came prepared. They have the X desk. They know stuff. They don't know enough. Are we talking about the secondary story before we review things for... I mean, quick recap, because it it is important in the grand scheme of things. In a plot point that adds to the full thing. So we got a title page. Daggers and Claws. Written by Jean-Louis Yang and art by Peter Nguyen. Colors by J. David Ramos and letters Corey Petit. VCs, Chloe Petit. I apologize for not knowing how to pronounce these names. I'm trying my best. You're doing a great job. Basically, follow the up. Deadly Dagger, who is not Sister Dagger. You cannot call l- me that. Later, she she says you can call me Sister Dagger. Shang Chi's so. sister. Sister is fighting these giant flower monsters, and Wolverine comes in to help. Turns out. There's a person trapped inside this giant flower monster and Sage is going to connect with Wolverine after the fight is over and say, remember that time that Zeno had the man thing and then there was this like manslaughter manslaughter, and then there was a serum and you know, yeah. So that serum is kind of still active in a whole garden and that garden happens to be swallowing tourists. Just, just trapping people and turning them into rage monsters. And uh, just when you thought that the plant plots were done, psych, psych, yeah. And so uh, Wolverine and his new sister dagger go and uh, 
slay some plant monsters, and that's what we got. But we know that Zeno's dirty dealings are still floating around in the atmosphere. Obviously, yeah. I mean, they killed the one base, but they have to have other things. And a lot of the resources that they sold to Mikhail. Right. What do you think overall? Weapons of X Part 4 is coming next, which I don't know. I think there's still a couple more after that. Oh, I mean, I loved that issue. I did too. I felt so excited by, like, Wolverine. I, I mean, I was calling and ready for Wolverine and Maverick to team up to take down Beast. So their partnership, that team up, the build to that, I loved. I loved the art. And, you know, as much as I was rolling my eyes when I was reading it and be like, oh, Beast. Yes, Beast. Those are the things that, you know, we knew were going to happen. That Beast was going to become tangled in essentially his ego is too big for him to even have clones of himself. He's running into the sinister problem. It's definitely a sinister problem, right? It's the whole I can't trust myself to not want to take over over myself. Right. I'm the one that needs to be in charge. So in a way, he's turning into his own downfall because he's not going to get anything accomplished if all he is doing is replacing his team because he has to kill them because they don't trust him. I mean, he has the ability to edit them. So I'd be interested to see what this next batch of replacements has to potentially curb that desire interesting because i feel like the whole reason he chose to clone himself like he chose to clone the wolverines because he wanted just like a vicious killer right but he chose to clone himself because he doesn't think anyone else is worthy of you know tactical planning the way that he is so if he dumbs himself down in any way i don't think he's gonna dumb himself down i just i'm curious to know what he can edit to be able to you know we've seen that he has Essentially, the five's ability to do genetic modifications, to to give someone worse vision in Mm. the resurrection. That means that he's able to tinker on a detailed level. Right. So I don't know. I'd agree that that's why he's cloning himself, right? He wants a council of himself that he can communicate and he can work with that has a shared vision, but also he's on top. I mean, the the real moral of the story is learn how to work with others, you jerk. Right. Well, and it's essentially too, like even that meeting where he was like, yes, that's exactly what I would do. He doesn't want anyone who's going to have a difference of opinion of him. So having all of the exact same of him, all they're going to, of course, agree and think the same way that he does. So if he alters that in some way, he runs the risk of them not just falling in line. Like, they're really not necessary. Like, he doesn't actually need them for decision-making. He just needs them to do busy work. or crunch numbers, analytics, to to be the other brains that he can't all do by himself. Yeah, I love this story arc. I'm here for the megalomaniac beast and all of his terrible decisions. The ridiculousness of these beasts repeatedly calling each other beast. To the point where it's comical. Ah, yes, Beast. Indeed, Beast. The revolt within the lesser, quote-unquote, Beasts and the development of Maverick and Wolverine going for revenge. Bannister coming back. Like, yeah. I, every part of this I'm a huge fan of. And was genuinely blown away that this got no votes as uh, Book yeah. of the Week, seeing as it comes in second most other weeks yeah. that it comes out. I, I don't know. I, I agree. Rogan Gambit was great. Even Captain Marvel, really great. But it might just be because I'm, I'm excited about this storyline overall. Yeah. I mean, I just can't believe no, it was nobody's favorite. Sure. Comic Extracts 
said that Beast Prime's haircut is exquisitely evil, like the Grinch <laughs> at his Grinchiest moment, which is yeah, exactly awesome. what we were talking about, right? It's just the the point. It's almost as if it's Wolverine's hair. Yeah. You know, he's becoming more and more feral in that sense where he's got the, the crazy spikes from the cowl, I guess that's where, where it's from, or it's just how he gels his hair. I don't know. But yeah. And and even just the, the eyebrows, the just the, the diabolical look on his face. It's so messed up. <laughs> Warlion's calling that the clone beasts are better than beast, and it's a further hint that Avengers Beast versus Evil Beast will be the final showdown in this arc, or am I reaching? I don't know. I feel like that's our, our way back to a beast that's not the worst, is that we have a some, backup someone of another that we, version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So even if it's later down the line, because I don't know, even just where this goes on covers that we've seen, that Nimrod-looking beast, ah, I cannot get that out of my head. Yeah. That's, I don't know. I'd like... In this instance, similar to how... So with Sins of Sinister, I was like, I don't want to theorize too much because I have no idea. In this, like, I'm just enjoying the story so much that I want to just let the answer come to me in the moment and not not try to pull it apart too much. I mean, I do think there is going to be some other version of beast that is resurrected when the time comes if he is resurrected right away yeah you know i think they're they're obviously not going to be able to change or sway this version of beast's mind so no no this beast is lost and i would honestly rather see x-force handle him with wolverine and with maverick or or you know whatever happens to wolverine right now I would rather see that side of things taken down rather than a past version of himself. Yeah. But I think that having Avengers Beast there to be able to set up a new story after the fact, after that's basically Ben putting the toys on the shelf after he's done, right. setting himself up for that 11 life of Moira that you can reset and go back to start. You know. Right, right, right. I had my fun, but you can have your beast back. Now. Yeah, yeah. Stop your crying. <laughs> It's all good. Vaderino said, I spy several beasts quoting literature. 90s beast is on his way. I can feel it. <laughs> which, I mean, that was a hallmark of the animated yeah. series. Which Even I know that. Yeah. We were talking to Eric and Julia long ago and talking about how the writers loved Beast because they could nerd out about different literature and mm-hmm. different quotes and books and uh, I would I would love to have 90s Beast back. That's what everybody misses. That's what everybody wants. Avengers Beast is just before that. so Just before. Could be in the mix. Are you ready for our book of the week? I'm so ready our for this book. Our final issue. X-Men Red. Number 11. Absolutely in love with this cover. Storm is so powerful, fierce, awesome, destructive. These stupid Xavier bodies dying everywhere around her oh, i love it with so their much x's over their mouths shut up xavier that's basically what she's saying oh, don't talk that. to me don't try to hold me down i am aurora monroe i live for it let's get right into this baby page turn noise date night 
This thing over here, this used to be Mars, and now it's a Rocco. Like, who, who are you recapping this for? Is this someone's first issue of X-Men Red? <laughs> but also, we've got this guy, Craig Marshall. I, Craig of NASA. I do love this conversation between him and Saucier. Just, uh, you know, the details, but things here, the spices here, and then Craig just trailing off as he sees... I the mean beauty that is descending from the heavens to meet him. He's underdressed, baby. He may be the most ordinary man I've ever been on a date with. I don't think that will be a problem. <laughs> I love it. And she's comforting him saying, listen, the last guy I went on a date with didn't even take his face plate off. So that was not a date, though. And the I think last that, guy I had dinner with. Sure, sure. I think that's the distinction yeah. here. He's like, oh, is this purely diplomatic or are we on an actual date? Or are we flirting? Yeah. Well, and even just these. I love this issue because we get into the head of Storm. This is like the follow-up to Storm's Immortal X-Men issue where we're in her head, but we're more personal with her feelings, mm-hmm. less the rage against the council. Yeah, for sure. And she's really like talking to us about Craig and how he is not even a mutant, but has stepped up and is becoming a part of the Araco family by taking in these children who were left alone and sort of helping them find their way. And, you know, then they're going to make that mutant from the future. What's her name? Quick. Yeah. Lulo. Oh, but she's already alive. Lulo. I thought there was another mutant that came in later that we were joking was like their baby or something. But maybe not. No, I don't think so. I love this comment to Fisher's way. Mm-hmm. Right? You can't, you can't heal if you don't speak the pain aloud. It's the same thing with Max with when he first came to Arako. To, to just hold it in his self and like, no, you're here. You have to share. Oh, sharing is weakness. Weakness can't be seen. Mm-hmm. You know so much about us Iraqi people. I just, I love that as a through line of their culture, even as their culture is changing in such a drastic way. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we can't have a nice dinner because freaking Charles Xavier has to be like, I need you immediately, Aurora. I need to talk to you about Eric. Sure, sure, sure. But also, I mean, the fact that Craig is both a Night Thrasher fan and a Storm fan, which is a great New Warriors callback. <laughs> and the fact that, you know, you think about humans that grow up in this world, mutants are real. Right. right? And, and to have this human perspective of, yeah, no, I've always thought you were awesome. Like, yeah. I think that you guys get a bad rap for what you're doing for saving the world. And I hoped that more people would care. Right. And then Charles sticks his big dumb head in the way. And, and Storm is like, you know what? Craig, tell me more on, my, on our second date. Yeah. I got to go deal with this idiot. I just, the, the fury that's building in these narrative boxes. Yes, Charles. We now, do need to talk. Now he summons me, his soldier, as if nothing has changed in all the years since, but too much has. This was just... Go home, Xavier. I'm not your student anymore. Mm-hmm. And we've made our way to the title page. A conversation long due. A storm on the horizon. Written by Al Ewing. Art by Stefano Caselli and Jacopo Camagni. Colors Federico Blee. Letters Ariana Maher. VCs Ariana Maher. A whole treasure trove of special thanks as we give credit to the people that 
gave us the origins of Storm, basically what we're referring back to in the first meeting between the two and all those panels that call mm. out in that splash, that amazing splash. Yes. Not to mention Russell Dodderman and Matthew Wilson on the cover, that amazing cover. Mm-hmm. But we're going to take a pause from the Storm side of things for a moment to visit this hot spring of sorts. Men of leisure. Where we've got Berto... And Nova, and your favorite Iraqi mutant. The, what? No. I no? Mean, no? He's definitely not my favorite Iraqi mutant. Oh, I thought you loved this guy. Kolbach never held. He's been here like three times. I thought you, you're always like, Kolbach never held. Like, you're always praising him. You're so excited when I've, he's around. I've never praised him. That's not true. That's, that is very true. Play the tapes, everybody. <laughs> Get the tapes out of here. The tapes don't live <laughs> that readily accessible. Okay, well, I thought you liked this mutant a lot more than... Okay, my bad. Tarn, the white sword. You... All Iska right. the unbeaten. When he was... When this... When Tobak was in... Kobak was in the, the bar with Birdo, you were, like, so hyped about it. No, that one time, that was issue one. That was the first appearance. That was referenced recently, and I think that might be what you're pulling. No, you liked it. You were like, oh, never held. Agree Someone to disagree. Hold Agree to disagree. Fine. I want someone to call to find the tapes for me. There's no tapes. All right. Anyway, moving on. They're in this this hot springs. Just getting this too serious to hang vibe from Nova. Just the importance of what Araco means to the galaxy. He's really the the connection to our cosmic narratives out deeper in space. What's going on with the Guardians? What's going on with this? lost meeting place among the cosmos right well also his therapist told him he needs to chill for at least six hours a week or they're not his therapist anymore wise a warrior who cannot rest can only die richard Ryder. love it <laughs> i love kobach <laughs> i will i literally will kill you <laughs> oh uh, god the one <laughs> Oh, good. We'll get there in a second. But it's really just, they're, they're talking about the date. They're talking about what's going on. This challenge that Kobach needs to go to. And then this panel where just the placement of Berto's knee as Kobach is standing is is really, it, just, it made me do a double take. Of like, <laughs> wow, man. That is some Iraqi <laughs> endowment, my guy. <laughs> Like the the shape of the knee and the way that it's coming out of the water. <laughs> if you don't understand, maybe really you will when you're older. I don't know. I really know. didn't see that, but now I can't unsee it, and it's so uncomfortable to look at the panel. Especially with and just <laughs> look at Richard Ryder's face in that panel as he's like, "Oh wow, yeah, that's a big old." <laughs> well, there's a whole conversation before that about how. Nova's not really actually naked in this pool, you know? Right. He's covered up a little bit. And Kobach's going to go challenge for his seat on the Great Ring. So he's going to go and he's giving his whole speech like, if you see me, I'll be awesome. If you don't, remember me because I'll be dead. Okay? Because yeah. I'm not going to yield. I'm either getting my seat or I'm dying. Thank you. Goodbye. Calderac. This is have- the way. Calderac, who we have also seen fight in the Circle Perilous against Storm, a number of issues ago. I do like this call out to the details of the law of Logos. These preliminary events before they battle in the circle, the tests of fitness for the role that there, it's not just, can you kill the current government seat to yeah. take control? 
They're evolving. Yeah, this this is excellent. They're a culture that understands they need representation that is not just based on who can fight the hardest. Mm-hmm. They need wise leaders who will lead them into a new layer of victory. Yes. But just as Kobok makes his exit, someone else makes their entrance. Yeah. I just want to call out this mention of Lycaon. They're a little more imposing than poor Idol was. Imagine an Omega Wolverine, which is not who I thought, but this is a seemingly a new Iraqi mutant on the Great Ring. Mm. Yeah, I did think it was weird to use the phrase Omega Wolverine when we had an Omega Wolverine who was basically, who was Technogan. Sure. And John Ironfire, which is mm. basically a new version of Wolverine right? for the Iraqi people. Mm. This is a lot of Wolverine. What else is new? Sure. He does, uh, Berto does think maybe this could be apocalypse, you know? Because he kind of says it could be apocalyptic. And I think that's a, maybe he's secretly hoping apocalypse is back. You know, I think it's it's definitely a possibility. This being connected to other world, him being the one that we left. I would love if it was apocalypse. It may certainly be, as we find uh, later on in the issue. Yes, yes, but we don't get to find out who it is, even though we already just said it quite yet, because Storm has to go have words with Xavier. Ooh, throw down words in the council room. God, Xavier, shut up! If I didn't hate you before. All you're doing now is complaining. You're just complaining. You're like, everybody left me and I'm, I have to rule everything by myself and it's all on me. And why won't you tell me the precious moments that happened with Eric's last breath? They were meant for you, but I'm supposed to know everything, Storm. Tell them to me or I'll just go in your mind and take them. What the heck? No, I, I wholeheartedly agree that this is Charles Xavier at his worst here. And is infuriating to Aurora. And rightfully so. This is exactly the follow-up to Immortal X-Men last week. As Aurora is still bringing up the recruitment problem. And Mm -hmm. this is interesting because we've not really made this a thing recently. This this has not been something that I, I remember her expressing anger over. But... I think it makes sense, right, to, to have lost her sense of self, her purpose in mm-hmm. life, what she was getting meaning from bringing life to these people, these people who loved her for who she was, not who some man wanted her to be for his purpose. Well, I think the reason it's relevant right now is because I think she's feeling her connection to the Iraqi people is reminding sure, her yeah. of her original, you know, her original people and this back and forth you know so the the call that was brought out of the space between when she left the council and when she decided that she's going to make her colossus her proxy happens during this issue it's because she's torn about what to do and it comes down to this moment and charles is reminding her choose me or choose your people you know and 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 she she's can't. like, listen, she... I already did this for you once yeah. and I'm not doing it again. Like, you're not going to guilt me or force me into trying to achieve your dream when I'm trying to help a, a people achieve a dream simultaneously. And she she brings up in this conversation his his feeling that he needs to be the one to shoulder this all by himself and that 
that, you know, he, he talks about the council and, and really, like, belittles them and acts like they don't actually have any say. And that's what she's – she's like, why would we want to be on your team if you don't actually consider us your team? You just consider us your puppets and your pawns and you use us for things. I don't want to be a part of an organization like that anymore. I don't want to be a part of a world like that anymore. I want to be a part of a place where people actually care about each other and actually work together. So yeah. I choose Arako. That lift each other up. No, it makes right. a ton of sense that this is what leads her to know that she's making the correct decision. That if her attention is split, Arako is where it's needed. Yeah. And it, it it's, you know, just last week I was saying like, oh, Storm, you talk all this, you know, you talk all this smack, but what are you doing for Krakoa? Why are you abandoning them? But when you read this issue, it really comes down to kind of like it's Charles's fault. Like she doesn't want to feel... Charles basically is making it seem like he has control over you work the for council. Me. Right. Yeah. You work for me. And she's be like, Be well, here to work for me for my dream, for my paradise that right. I've established and that she's I like, shoulder. Nah, that's cool. I love this disagreement of Max Max, Max Eric. Versus Eric. That's not his real name. That's not his chosen that's not who he goes by. Right. He chose to be Max. You have to respect that. Yeah. You know? And yeah, just I don't know, like when Storm is talking about the way that she's pulled from her previous life and he's like, it's not my fault. My X-Men were dying. I mean, that kind of like, was your fault. You sent them to die. Right. First of all, that was your fault. And second of all, like my X-Men, like you don't need, you're not even referring to them as people. Like you're not like people were dying. I needed help. You're like my X-Men were dying. My tools to get my dream were out of my reach and I needed you to be my tool so I could get them back. Recover them for me. And and just if you love someone as much as Xavier claims to love Magneto, if the person whose arms he died in says his last words were private, they were not meant for you. Respect that. Respect that. Right. Yeah, it's just, it's very forward of his wants his desires his reasoning for calling max who he knew him to be right you know it's it's him telling someone who is his re- direct report to report to him it's just it's power trips on, right, on right. mega level and then on the you know just just to flip the script a little bit like i can understand that he is losing the person that sure he believes to have been his best friend and he he's grieving and he doesn't have any closure and he didn't get to say goodbye and all of these things are valid but it's yeah. also it's charles xavier so i'm like ay, ay, ay. yeah yeah yeah. i also think it's really interesting that in immortal x-men he flat out told storm we don't have to talk about it right now i got other things that i need to do and then here, it's immediately, I need you here right now. Right. It's like, girl, we just had this conversation. Right. Well, that's why. Because he can't show any... Any break he, in the he wall. He can't show any weakness to the right. rest of the council. So that's why all the council leaves. And then he calls Storm. And again, has no respect for what she's doing outside of anything. And like, becomes a giant head in the sky to say, I need you now. No, man. My time is my time. I mean, I would have told him no. You're not my boss. You're not my dad. I'll see you in an hour or three. Right. And I think the thing is, like, I was, I I really was loving Storm in this issue. You know, like, when she's trying to, to kind of talk to him and say, like, 
I'm trying to level with you. I'm trying to say that I, I understand how you're feeling, but you're being really disrespectful. And yeah. he just continues to be disrespectful. She says, I understand how you feel. And he's like, the blazes you do. He was my oldest friend. He died in your arms. I have a right to know what he said to you. What right? Why? I'm, I'm not asking Aurora. Like, yeah. Who are you, guys? Right. And just the way that she's like... <laughs> She, she's like, um, respectfully, F you. Yeah. In what what authority do you have? I regret, I respect your grief, Charles, but I must ask, in what capacity do you presume to order me? Yeah. Like, he can't see past the Xavier who was the teacher, who sure. he has no, like, there's no room for growth in the business of Charles Xavier. There's no room to, like be promoted you are under charles xavier forever and once he feels ownership of you he owns you forever that's sure. basically what he's saying to her and then then we get the try lead me. up try to, me you want to go for it yeah by all means try to step inside my head charles and then we get the most amazing yeah this was crazy this spread. page some of these quotes these are all from classic comics this is the the special thanks page essentially yeah when he's like, you will not, like, I will not allow you to leave or something like that. Those are the orders of Professor X. You will obey without hesitation. I will not let you leave me. That's the one. I will not let you leave me. You don't, what? And just for this to be, he's going in for his secrets and instead she floods him with all the times that, She's sick of his control yeah. and manipulation. And this, this is all that's at the surface of her brain. When she's looking at him. Right. And this is what you make me think of. This is how you make me feel when I see your face. Oh, and he's so in shock. You know, it's like, oh, you repelled my psychic entry. And she's like, yeah, bro, that's what you taught me to do. Yeah. I love when she says, to be called on if we ever had to face a telepath with Evil intentions. Or one who had lost control. What's happening to you, Charles? What happened to you, bro? Yeah, and then when he's like, I'm afraid, I was like, fool, you're not afraid. That's a manipulation. I don't agree. I think that this was genuine. And especially to be at a place where he saw his greatest fear, his powers used against the way that he would like to see them used for essential domination of thousands, millions of lives to see like this, this is the the fear that he was talking about in Immortal X-Men number 10, where what if I was born with Magneto's powers and he mine, what could have happened to the world with someone having access to this power to just control people's minds? Right. But on the same time, at the same point, like maybe he's feeling afraid because Storm is basically showing him his past and saying, you think that Sinister made you that way? manipulative and controlling you've been that we've had that in you all along well sure sure you know and that's like another realization of like oh what have i become almost but i also think that there's levels to it because that was segments of a wide history and a wide history that he feels remorse for those times you know he even expresses that like later on in the issue that that this guilt this is the only thing that differs from him and Sinister is that he has this immense guilt for having done this action, this right now and any of these times previously of trying to impose his will. Hmm. 
I yeah. I think the thing that was like really frustrating me towards the end of their conversation was the way that he's going through this anger and he seems to just be not processing well and now so now he's gonna focus in on the fact that we brought Sinister in from the beginning and cry about the mistakes that he made and how long could Sinister have been doing this and what version of Sinister did this and we we invited him in so we did this and it's like okay I get it that you're sort of trying to take responsibility but at the same time it doesn't actually feel like he's taking responsibility it feels like he's saying I've been manipulated by Sinister the whole time I'm I'm just a victim hmm yeah, I see what you're saying. I just, I think that there's somewhere in between what you're saying and what I'm saying. I, I don't think that he is completely all not at guilt or mm-hmm. not at fault for what he's doing. But I don't think that he's playing up some kind of ruse to say, oh, no, this wasn't me at all. What if it was sinister? I think this is a genuine realization and a fear of his that he is expressing to Aurora. I think it's an interesting point. I assume we know the answer based on Sinister's words himself that Hope had been correcting right. it, it, with every resurrection. But this this idea that can Krakoa survive without Xavier is the ultimate expression of his ego, right? Right. This idea that, I, you know, if Moira left, Magneto left... If I left, Krakoa would surely crumble. I'm the only one keeping the dream alive. Right. The the moral struggle is interesting in in what he could have done. It's largely what we've been calling for the whole time to say you could have reached into Sinister's mind at any point and found what was going on. Yeah, but see, I can't, with the way that I feel about reaching into minds like I can't condone that I know that Sinister is a bad guy but if your whole if your whole platform well so he didn't do it that's the point no I know but he's saying like I I feel like I should have well he feels guilt for not having I know and I'm just telling because you're saying that's what we're bringing up if he had done that and I'm saying he shouldn't have done that like he made the right choice not doing that because if he did that he would have been sullying the platform that we're giving everybody a new chance. It's not genuine. And so it didn't go as planned, but if you had done the other thing, you would have been that would have been an evil act. That would have mm-hmm. been like untrusting and not a genuine expression of Krakoa is for all. Krakoa is a fresh start. And I know it's sinister, but it's from a moral standpoint, that's the way you're supposed to do it. If you're giving everybody a fair slate, you have to give everybody a fair slate. You can't pick and choose who you're doing that to. Yeah. I feel like that's part of the reason why he goes off on Destiny in Immortal X-Men. Because if he had known what Sinister had been doing from that tip from Destiny, he would not feel the kind of remorse. Well, that that would have been a step in the <clears throat> direction of evil to need to be countered but but destiny having a vision and deciding not to share that information is different than charles deciding not to go in and steal it you know what i mean like he can be upset that destiny didn't share that information and she should have but what i felt like he was questioning here was like why didn't i just go into sinister's mind and steal his thoughts and make sure he wasn't up to anything because he says at one point but if I had looked into Sinister's mind, forced his secrets from him, how much pain would it have spared the universe? So I understand what he's dealing with and the struggle that like, could I have stopped this? But if he had done that, then 
people like me would have been upset with him for not right so, like for just going into no, the mind so I, I i'm understand. saying he made the right choice even though it's difficult to deal with at this point but what i'm saying is that that's why he's so mad about with the information that he would have had from destiny that wasn't just a vision she also confirmed right so she, that would have given him in my mind a fair shot to go after sinister that right. that would not be morally compromising correct agreed i think the thing that like the root of this whole problem or this whole moment which which really leads storm to her decision is that charles is faced with his guilt for what happened but his focus is more on himself and his pride than it is on fixing the problem like even though or like it's like he wants to have the dream but the dream is only the dream if he's the one behind it if someone else accomplishes it then it doesn't it's not charles's dream because he's not the one getting the glory for for it or he's not the one that can claim this was mine because somebody else is doing it. Mm. And I think that that's where their conflict stems from or their disagreement is that... Well, he wants to do it alone. Right. He wants to be the person. He doesn't want to bring anybody in on the level that could support him in this. You want to right. talk about drawing a parallel to Rogue and Captain Marvel that I can shoulder this burden with, with you. you. Yeah. I can do it with you. It's not just you against the world. It's you literally brought us all here to be a one people. Mm-hmm. She does, Aurora does give some idea of what Max's words were. He asked me to watch you, not because of Sinister, but because of you for bearing this weight alone and what it might drive you to do, how it's making you break even now, even without knowing that there are some legitimate reasons as to why you're breaking at this point, mm -hmm. to have seen your powers perverted in a way that enslaved entire worlds. But also this amazing mic drop moment yeah, I'd like to think that a measure of concern lay at the root of Max's request. Charles, he was your friend, but after today, I am not. Don't take the gate to Araco again. As she flies away. But that's not Ooh, the end of the issue. That could have been. I mean, that was a mic drop moment. That was a, that was a, maybe not a last page reveal because this one is a crazy one. I feel like that was the end of the movie and this is the post credit scene. Sure, right. Yeah, this is, this is teeing up the next issue. The next arc, essentially, as incoming blue blazes. I love this moment from yes. Sunspot. Berto's like, hey, you know, you say these crazy things that I don't know what they are, but I know that they're bad. But when you say things like blue blazes... Unsure where that lands. No, that, it's real bad. It's that's the worst. That's the worst. That's, that's like the big top shelf swears. <laughs> As this energy blast comes from the eternal gate of Araco, blasting them backwards as a voice comes from the, the vision, comes from the power. You are of Araco, men of fire and stars, but men at leisure? <laughs> Wait, <what? laughs> yeah, well, because they're in, is, like, in a bathrobe. Yeah. And... This, in an in open vest shirt. <laughs> what this were is, you guys doing? Just lounging around on a This Araco? is not what I've been told. This is not the, the stories of yore. The white sword has fallen. And 99 of his champions with him, I am the last. I bring you his legendary weapon, Purity, as proof of his last words. Tell them, he said, tell them all. Genesis is coming. Is Apocalypse the White Sword? No. Oh. 
the White Sword is one of the ten champions of Arako, who had the ability. He's the one that essentially is the reason why Krakoa and Arako tied up because he kept on sending his men to fight Gorgon. But Genesis is Apocalypse's wife, isn't yes. it? Okay, just making sure. So yes. she's coming. And I assume that he's coming with her. He's coming with. At least from what we've seen in things. But this is John Ironfire, right? Like, not to be confused, this is the younger version of John Ironfire. This is how he comes to know that all the words that he says in Sins of Sinister pointing towards what he made a mistake of in the Genesis War, that he is the herald of that war. Mm. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. And I like John Ironfire. Yeah, it's cool that he's back. He's around. And that he is a soldier of the White Sword. I mean, I'm upset that the White Sword is dead. I don't like that. <laughs> I want to be very upfront and clear. And and Warlion had said something too that Al Ewing owes him one for killing his favorite Iraqi, which, <laughs> you know, he's on the short list. Yeah. What it means to be Iraqi. Next. <sighs> Big picture. I mean, that was a great issue. Yeah. It was a great issue because... The content of the issue was really wonderful. It took us on a journey. We got to see like a softer emotional side of Storm and then this deep, really intense conversation and development between her and Xavier. Plus we got some fun bits of Arako, plus the John Ironfire, you know, drop. But it's, for me, the impact that it had on the way I was... Like, I love Storm, okay? I always love Storm. But at the end of Immortal X-Men last week, I was kind of like, Storm, I don't feel really good about the way that you're throwing shade, and I don't feel really good about the way that you're handling this situation and, and your decision to just up and leave Krakoa. Like, I don't feel great about that. And then I read this issue, and I was like, nope, I get it. Support you 100%. Team Storm, yeah. top of my list. Sorry I ever doubted you. Yeah. You know, so I feel that... The ability for me to really understand Storm's decision and to then fully back it after kind of questioning it in Immortal X-Men, that is huge for this issue to have done. Yeah. No, I thought that this was this was so good for Storm. Mm-hmm. And and just her point of view, her reactions to Charles, her reactions to the council and what's going on. I love this series. Like it, my love for this series has no bounds. This is likely my favorite Krakoan book we did the <laughs> the, the best of x uh with geek explained that's coming out in a couple of weeks where we we have a bracket of who wins and yeah no, no spoilers but uh x-men red was a great book yeah in that in that conversation yeah i just i'm a big storm fan i'm a huge world narrative fan and i'm always here for the quote-unquote quiet issue that still hits as hard as the big action issues Mm -hmm. to have this coming out of sins of sinister letting things settle and then the last couple of pages drop a bomb for the next arc and set that up i i loved it i love when we get to see them being people but at the same time use this to set up what's coming next sunspot nova kobach being friends it's great the culture evolving to determine this new form of government is eerily timed as the former leader comes back with a vengeance right to right genesis coming back as they're trying to st- set something new is like hey no i'm in charge right and like you're the, not doing that the storm genesis rub is going to be interesting yeah and also just knowing that like there wasn't any 
quote unquote action, but the stakes and the intensity of the conversation between Storm and Xavier was just as compelling and riveting as a huge fight scene would have been. Right, right. Yeah, it's the same as it reminds me of the issue about death, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're oh, that issue is so good. So good. Talking about these com- concepts, not really action-packed, but still developing a lot of character story. That's probably still one of my favorites. I don't know. I love all of X-Men Red. Forget it. I can't choose. <laughs> Comic Extracts loved the agency that Storm asserts, retaking the narrative of her origin, renouncing Xavier, and repelling his attack. Wow. You know, the red triangle protocols, the, the thing yeah. Brand was just referencing this a couple of issues ago, right? In, in issue 10 or 9 before Sins of Sinister, the, I've, I've done these trainings, the fact that you taught people how to repel even your attacks. Right. But he he would never think that they would be used against him. Sure. Right. right. Well, we would never think that you would attack as Charles. Right. Warline said, again, Al Ewing owes me for killing the one Iraqi that I cared about, the White Sword. And he also misses the cosmic narrative of swords. We were talking about this a little bit, and it's one of the reasons why he doesn't like X-Men Red as much as sword, because he was in it for the cosmic story, the big overarching connecting to the Marvel Universe, and thinks that the Storm and Iraqi people are now the focus, and that's not really what he's here for. I'm 100% here for Storm and the Iraqi people. But I do think the addition of Nova and the way that Nova was kind of feeding in what else is going on in the universe and the galaxy. keeps that connection, it's, right? It's threading that as this progresses, there's going to be more. I think we needed to get to the place where when Storm and Magneto went to Araco, we had to then go through the, po- the process of Araco shifting and sort of rebuilding and restructuring itself and now that we've done that and we, we've got the night seats and Nova's around and all of this stuff, I think they're going to establish themselves as an entity outside of Krakoa very much so. You know, before it kind of felt like they were taking a long time to rebuild and reestablish themselves after sort of teleporting here and getting Mars, turning it into Araco and trying to find their place in the universe. And... Now they have it. And then I think once it's a little bit stronger, then it can go out. And that's why we're getting those little seeds from Nova, because we're going to need to know about those little things coming up. If it gets to that intergalactic stage as Mm -hmm. they're intending it to be, if they're able to put it to this this level of, of what soul could be, what brand's plans were. He was also, and we talked about this a little bit, calling attention to the fact that she called herself a goddess. Right. The people worshipped her as a goddess. We were talking about this last week, but she also calls herself a goddess. Mm -hmm. And how does that relate to the God complex that is Xavier's in this issue or or in the past few issues? And Mm -hmm. I said, you know, the difference in my mind is she was a young person worshipped by these people, told by these people that she was a goddess. And eventually, as she separated herself from that, she stepped away from it. She realized that that was not true, that she is a mutant. She has these powers, but she was held on this pedestal by these people. Charles and his ego, his God complex, comes from just himself. It Mm -hmm. comes from his desire to be the archetype, the the hierarchy person in charge of the mutant people, essentially. Trying to be that bridge between himself and Magneto, trying to be the person that unifies everyone and brings them all around the table. And I think too, the, the 
the difference is in how they absorb and reflect that not only that are they naming themselves this thing right like you're saying the the people called storm the goddess and then even later when in in the later years of sins of sinister they referred to her as goddess right but she and it's sort of like what emma was getting at when she was like oh there's no thrones on Araco, blah 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 it's the way that Storm carries herself. She doesn't. She sees herself with authority, but she doesn't see herself as necessarily better than anybody else. She knows that, like, oh, I have to do this thing. I have to rule whatever. But she feels that that is almost like a burden or like a, a responsibility laid on her by her people, and she wants to honor her people, whereas the other way around like it doesn't feel ego driven from her where mm. it feels ego driven from charles a little bit sure yeah it's molly towie said that x-men red is awesome craig was so cute i want to see eric come back i feel like he'll be back by summer oh god i can't no comment <laughs> on that i i understand the desire for him back but i do not want him back yeah unless unless you know they they embrace the nonsense of Sinister and Beast and they make some Magneto clones to just run the gauntlet on Orcus. I just Orcus. feel like that's disrespectful. Sure. But I think that there's also a way that Al Ewing has teased that there is a way for Magneto coming back. And, and we have ways for that to happen with the waiting room and with just any kind of old backup. Are they all erased? Is there any? Is it potentially still in the Cerebro Sword? I don't know. I'm not saying that I want Magneto to be dead forever. I'm just saying that they made an impactful. He made a yeah. choice. Right. He made a choice to delete his backup, and his death was so impactful that it just feels like if Magneto was to come back, it cheapens it. He would not be happy, and like he might be missing those memories because of backups and whatnot. But if he ever found out that he decided and like he he had enough he was done with this fight he was like that's cool i'm good i don't need to be immortal and but we need you max magnus eric we need you we are at a dire point in x-men history coming up the fall is happening all around us I just feel like it cheapens it oh 100 i agree i just we also need him and i want him and i love him I don't want him right away. I just feel like I can't. It's hard for me to be like, yeah, we need him because I argue the opposite point for Charles all the time. In like, we don't need him. We don't need him. Other people could do that. Sure. Other people could rule Krakoa. Other people could guide the mutants. And so when they're like on an equal playing field as far as they're like the hierarchy of mutantum goes, to say, we don't need you, Charles, but we need you, Magneto. Like, that feels difficult for me because I try to be. As much as I hate Charles Xavier, I'm trying really hard to like... Treat everybody the same. Yeah. And so I feel in the saying of like other mutants can step up and we can give other stories a chance, it feels like that's what we could do and we could honor the like valiant way that Magneto gave his life for mutantum. It's just, it's interesting and it makes me think of, I was talking to Danny on Facebook today. He had an idea of kind of like retrospective points so he was listening to something he was listening to an episode from literally over a year ago Mm. and you were talking about how 
you were very excited about Judgment Day <laughs> compared to the actual outcome. So, so to be able to like look back at where we were before and then what happened, because there was a time when Magneto was dying and or about to die or even when he died and you hated it and you were like, I don't want him to be dead. I don't want. Right. But, and then to now give it some space, some distance and to see how that comes full circle of, no, that was a valiant sacrifice for the people to be able to essentially be stronger because of his loss, because of what he gave to us. Right, right, right. And I didn't want it because I loved him so much, but I think that also because I love him so much and I had time to process his death that, you know, I have my different feelings on it now. Yeah, that's just an interesting connection between those points that I, I wanted to bring up. Vaderino said, first of all, Storm's dress. She yeah. knew exactly what she was doing. Storm was on a mission on that date, right? You know that scene in the Sandlot when when Squints is looking at Wendy Peppercorn and she puts on her lotion and he, yep. she's like, she knows exactly what she's doing. <laughs> Lotioning and oiling, oiling and lotioning. Uh, I can't take it anymore. Sure. But that was for a pervy little child. <laughs> I know. Not but actually that's, for him. That's, yeah. you know. Yeah. That's what I thought of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, yeah, she knew. Well, she showed up. That slit. Hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, even just the, the electricity up her body. Like, yeah. That was intense. That was beautiful. Yeah. And he said that the whole time Storm was telling off Charles, I was picturing Alicia off panel. Like, honestly, same. Just like, I can see you as the hype person. Just like, get him. Get him. Drag him. <laughs> yes. That's correct. Curls loved Storm's clap back at Charles. Did y'all know a non-telepath could be that strong? I, no, I didn't. I did, I did not know that that... Well, I mean, to just have Charles be rebuked by that, mm -hmm. that was great. That yeah. was amazing. And and to have Storm be the person who's been shattering expectations left and right. Right. And to know that, you know, to have it very couched in this idea that i learned this because of you right. that you I taught me from you you Charles. taught me to stand up against tyrannical telepaths and to to be able to take care of myself mm -hmm. for this purpose no that was amazing yeah and i do think it is important that she's saying like she's by doing that she's very much pointing out like you have become what you've always warned us against and for for that i no longer want to be associated with you yeah Fake Torta asked, what's wrong with Genesis? Very curious about it. And we want more Craig and Lulo. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes on that. And what's wrong with Genesis? I, I wonder if they have some kind of update as to what's been going on. Ooh. The, what? the question. Your brain just something just clicked. Where did Iska go? Oh. Did she go and essentially report back to Genesis, her sister, about what's been going on with oh, the Iraqi right. people. right. That's her sister. And the loss of all these people. Oh, that's probs not good. And the shattered government and the way that, I mean, it's it's entirely her fault. But, oh, Iska. But to basically report back to her and say, hey, there's a power vacuum. A bunch of people sitting around the ring that shouldn't be there and making new rules that shouldn't be there. Come back and tell them what's what. Mm -hmm. Bring your husband Bring his kids. Bring your kids. Yeah, but at the same point, I'm going to be like, yo, y'all chose to leave, and what became of Morocco is not your business anymore. We got a planet now. 
captain of the solar system. You left and we did something with it. So oh. deal. I, I got very excited about that. I think that's definitely the connection because there was a solicitation that asks, and whatever happened to Iska? Right. I feel like that's Where it. Where did she go? That I feel like that's it. How does Iska not lose? Well, she calls reinforcements. Mm-hmm. J.A. Auerbach author asked, will Storm ever get to finish her date with Craig? I certainly hope so. I hope so too, but it doesn't look good as things are only going to get worse as the war, all caps, is coming. Craig's not going anywhere. We hope. I mean, he's not in the resurrection protocols. And he's hanging out on Araco where there's going to be imminent death and destruction. I don't think they're going to make a big deal about them being together and, and starting this new thing and then be like, sorry, Craig's dead. I mean, it would it would break storm in an interesting way. Craig's not going anywhere, okay? <laughs> Magneto's not coming back. Craig's not going anywhere. Die, Charles. Obviously. <sighs> I don't need Charles to die. I just need him to go cry in a corner by himself. Cry in the hole. Think about what you did, Charles. Maybe do something to improve it instead of just complaining about how you're so sad and your whole plan is ruined. Like, maybe do something actionable. Instead of just crying about it. Yeah. That's all. That's it. That's what we got. What's coming next week? Only two. Only two. Maybe that's the time. That was what Danny was saying. Hey, for weeks where there's only two issues, maybe you could do some kind of recaps on different things and look backs or Mm -hmm. where we were or where we're at or what hit different or where where it lands. I don't know. Two comics. X-Force number 40. Ooh. X-Men number 22. Whoa. That one, that one felt like it was going to be a big one. Yeah. And x Four. I just I'm excited for both. Yeah. It's going to be a good week, hopefully. Yeah. I don't know if there's... I'm pretty sure that was all there was. I don't think there's any other like flashback issues or... Let's just do a quick check. Let's just do a quick double check. May 17th. Marvel. That's all she wrote. Just two... Well, yeah. until next time, old friend. I don't want to say it. Don't say it. <laughs> Aurora? That's right. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. 